Um, while we're sitting, let's see if Clay Orinder is in the house. Clay, why don't you come up? Um, we have a special announcement this morning. Uh, as you all know, we've been searching for uh, and continue to search for a permanent and all-time worship leader in the church. In the, uh, in the interim, the Lord has made it very, very clear to us as elders that uh, he has appointed Clay Orinder <laughs> to be our, uh, our worship leader in these next couple of months. And so we are just thrilled as the elders and the sort of the sub-elder team prayed and asked the Lord, um, who have you given the mantle to, to lead us in these uh, next months as a, in worship? As not a worship leader, but a lead worshiper. And if you know Clay at all, that's Clay. Um, so we're just really thrilled, uh, thrilled that the band is supporting him, that the, he's going to basically come on our staff in these next months and be a part of what we're doing. And uh, I think the Lord has some things to teach us through him, uh, as well as a great opportunity for us to worship all together. So why don't you stand? I just want to pray for him. We'll announce this about 12 more times, but uh, extend your hands. It's just a sign of uh, your uh, support of what God's doing here. Father, thank you so much for Clay's, uh, not just his willingness, but his great gifting. And we just ask right now in the name of Jesus, fill him again with the Holy Spirit, with the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in your spirit. And um, we thank you that you've assigned him to lead us. And we look with uh, great excitement to the future as, um, as you fill him and you fill us, you lead us into your presence to do our main job in life to bring you worship. So bless him uh, and anoint him in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, man. Okay. You can be seated. It's <clears throat> great. Okay. Uh, if you haven't been here in a couple of weeks, you might be kind of shocked. You're saying, how come he's up there already? We're focusing November on worship, and uh, with purpose, we're turning things around a little bit to speak first about worship, look in the scriptures to see what God says about worship, not just as an event, but as a lifestyle, and uh, then to have the, the, the opportunity after that to engage in corporate worship together with music. So that's our intention and why we're turning things around a little bit here. Um, you can pray for me that I will move slowly this morning. I feel excited. I have a lot to say. Look at all the tabs in my Bible. Um, <clears throat> so uh, I want to just uh, look this morning at the aspect of worship that is listening. So we defined worship uh, first Sunday of November. We defined it as freely giving our love to God. Worship is freely giving our love to God. And a part of worship, freely giving our love to God, is bringing our whole selves to God, everything to God bringing every part of us to God, the stuff we're happy about, the stuff we're not happy about, where we're proud, where we're not, our whole selves before God. Worship is not an event, it's a lifestyle. It's a stance before God in the world. And then uh, last week, uh, so that was kind of my little phrase of uh, show up. Last week we talked about what it means to give up. And we said that giving up does not mean quitting, but giving up, that is surrender before the Lord in worship, is a holy realignment of our resources. Everything that God has given us in the service of God's real purpose. So all our spiritual gifts, all our natural resources, our money, our stuff, our time, we reallocate to God in submission and surrender. And we say, God, use this for your kingdom. That's a part of, uh, of worship, is giving up. Not quitting, 
but surrendering. And this morning I want to talk about that aspect of worship, which is listen up. Sometimes we can uh, fall into the um, misunderstanding that worship is all about what we do. That worship is all about us speaking, yelling, shouting, crying, weeping, and all the stuff that we might do during worship. But if you look in the scriptures, so much of worship stems from this one verse in, in Habakkuk 2.20. Habakkuk 2.20, it says, the, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. I've told the story before, but I like it, so I'll tell it again. I uh, went to a, a private school for four years growing up, fourth to eighth grade, and uh, boy, I didn't feel like I fit there. Just a lot of people that were living in a different social atmosphere than I was. Uh, and I felt like just, hey, what's going on? <laughs> and uh, we had an English headmaster in the school. We all had to wear ties, and you know, it was all real fancy. And the, the headmaster's name was Mr. Messer. And he was about eight feet five <laughs> and weighed about 100 pounds. And his nose was very long and large, kind of an Ichabod crane, if you think of it. And once a month, we had chapel service. And Mr. Messer would walk in, and the whole place would be quiet. And he would announce in his British accent, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Most of us thought that Mr. Messer might be the Lord. <laughs> or if not, darn close to it. And so a holy, fearful silence would settle on the room, because if you spoke when Mr. Messer was speaking, there was pain involved later on. There's a sense in which when we come in to God's presence, not the fear of retribution, not the fear of judgment, but the holy reverent awe that we're in the presence of one who is above, beyond, and encompassing all things. It's, it's walking into the presence of some entity, being that's completely other than us. And the natural response is, I'm not sure I have anything to give here. I will wait in silence. And the Lord loves that approach in worship when we come and we say, you're in your holy temple and I'll let you speak first. I will wait. I will listen. Who is worth more listening to than the creator of the universe? So worship is not just about speaking or doing, it's about listening. So I want to look, and I'm going to do it briefly so you can write the references down. I want to look at five places in scripture where we see specifically the relationship of listening to worship. What happens in worship when we simply listen? I'm going to begin in Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. I won't have the whole references up there, I mean all the scripture. I'm going to read through it, but I'm just highlighted parts here. If you have the Bible, um, you're welcome to turn to each of these. Spend a few minutes in each. Isaiah chapter 6. This is the calling of the prophet Isaiah. Starting in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah is in the presence of God. He's worshiping. And above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. This is an experience uh, more awesome than Mr. Messer's arrival. This is the Lord of hosts. This is the creator, and Isaiah the created before him. 
Verse 5, he says, Woe to me. In other words, I'm toast. Woe to me, I cried. I'm ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. When we bring ourselves to God in worship, and specifically to listen to God in worship, we see God for who he really is. And the beautiful, sometimes the horrible part of that is we see ourselves as we really are. Isaiah is in the presence of God. I mean, it doesn't say, I went to church. He just says, here I was and I saw the Lord. He's in an experience of worship. And in this experience of worship, he sees God as he really is. High, lifted up, exalted. He gets a picture of reality. And as he's peering upon God, he sees who God really is. He's got a real clear understanding of who he is. And so it's the natural response of the created and imperfect before the creator and the perfect. I'm ruined. (laughs) I'm done. It's all over. Because I'm a man of unclean lips. In other words, Isaiah is recognizing his sin. I mean, it's, you know, I'm, I'm about half colorblind, I think. You know, so half the time I think something that's black is brown and brown is blue. I don't know anything. But you know how you can't tell if something's really black or blue and then you get a truly black thing. And you put it up and you realize, oh, okay. Now I know what black is. It's like that when we come before the Lord. We don't know what purity is. We think maybe we're doing okay. And then we come before God and we see who he really is in his exalted nature. We see the attributes and the character of God. We put him before us and we look at ourselves and we think, I am not nearly as clean as I thought I was. We see ourselves for who we are. Now here's the good news. Every time that the Lord shows you your sinfulness, he's got a purpose for it. And the purpose is never condemnation. Let's say that one again. When God shows you your sinfulness, the purpose is never condemnation. Never, ever, ever. It's always that he might reveal his compassion, his forgiveness, his cleansing, and his power. So don't be afraid to go into the presence of God, no matter where you are in life. Because when we see God for who he is, we'll see ourselves for who we are. And what happens at that point to Isaiah? Let's just follow the story. I'm ruined. I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he'd taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Every time God shows us our sin, it's so that in our confession he can say, Forgiven. Every time. The purpose of him revealing our sinfulness is to expose his righteousness and to reveal his faithfulness in our lives. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. This is fascinating. Isaiah is in the presence of God. He's seeing who God is. He looks down. He realizes who he is. He confesses his sin. He recognizes his state. God pronounces his, uh, his justification, his forgiveness. 
And then what Isaiah says is, I heard the Lord saying, it's almost like God was talking to himself in heaven and Isaiah overheard it. Because the scripture actually says, the Lord said, Whom, who will go for us? So it's like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit having a party in heaven. And Isaiah now cleansed gets to enter into the presence of the Holy Fellowship. And he just hears him talking. Who are we going to send? Now Isaiah has recognized who God is, has recognized his sin, has been cleansed and forgiven, has been brought into the fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he's like, you need a messenger? Right here, dude. You need someone to go for you? Well, I didn't think I was worthy. But after this experience, I see you, I see me, fire, cleansing. I'm your guy. It's in the presence of God. We see who God is. We see who we are. We actually hear the voice of the Lord announcing our calling in life. It's, it's, uh, it's the gift in listening of recognizing the reality of who God is and who we are. And when those things are clear in our lives, the ability to hear what God's called us to do and the willingness to obey shine forth. Because we're no longer obeying God out of fear, we're obeying, we're obeying God out of love. That's the most powerful obedience. You can make your kids obey out of fear. Well, sometimes. But when you see your children obeying out of love, what happens to your heart? You overflow. It's, it's uh, categorically different. So when we worship, we see ourselves and we see God in reality. Will you tell God this week? Are you willing to say to the Lord, I want to see you and I want to see me. I'm not afraid because I want to hear your voice and I want to obey. God loves that type of worship. It begins with listening. Second, when we worship, we see the world as God sees it. So we see God in reality. We see ourselves. Excuse me. We see ourselves in reality. And then we see the world as it truly is. Psalm 73. Starting in uh, verse uh, 16. The psalmist says this, when I tried to understand all this and what he's trying to understand is why the wicked prosper. Why good things happen to bad people and he's trying to be righteous and it's not looking so good for him. He's trying to figure out why this upside down kingdom thing. Psalm 73. When I tried to understand all this, he says it was oppressive to me. Do you ever sit after the news in your living room and try to understand what's going on in the world, it feels a little oppressive, doesn't it? Like, how in the world can we make sense of what's happening? He says, when I tried to understand all this, it was oppressive to me until I entered the sanctuary of God. I couldn't understand the world until I entered the sanctuary of God, until I came into God's presence. Then I understood their final destiny. He says, verse 21, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. That describes us when we try to figure out the world on our own accord. When we try to figure out the world from a human perspective. When we try to say, you know, the world would be a lot better if they would just do what I told them to, right? And we get this senselessness. We become like a brute beast before God. 
And the psalmist says, yet I'm always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail. Don't we all know the reality of that? We walk out into the world every day. We're going to do it today. And the reality is our flesh and our heart, they may fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Verse 28. But as for me, it is good to be near God. I've made the sovereign Lord my refuge. When we come to God in worship, and when we come before the Lord in silence, then God gives us a perspective on the world that's his perspective. We get to see the world as God sees the world. And all of a sudden, things make more sense. All of a sudden, as we see it from his vantage point, things make a lot more sense. You know, in Ephesians 2, Paul says, here's your reality. You have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. Remember that? Isn't that a a wild thought? As believers, right now, you're sitting here, but in spiritual reality, you're seated with Christ in a heavenly place. Positionally, before God, you're in heaven right now. You're dealing heaven. You're breathing the atmosphere of heaven right now. Paul goes on to say, we actually have the mind of Christ. Now, that's not some sort of New Age cosmic consciousness. That's the reality for the person in Jesus. We actually get to see the world from God's perspective. And doesn't it look different than the human perspective? When we bow ourselves in worship and we say, Lord, I'm going to spend this minute, this hour, this day in silence. I'm just going to listen. God starts to show us what the world really means, how the world really works. And man, we walk into the world with God's perspective and you know what? Then we have God's heart. And then we have God's love, not his judgment. We have God's peace, not our anxiety. We have God's power, not our frailty. We have God's funny noises. Just giving you some time to be silent before the Lord. (laughs) When we see the world from God's perspective, it changes the way that we encounter the world. It changes the way we walk into the world. It changes the way that we relate to the world. Because all of a sudden, we're seeing with God's eyes. That's why sometimes after worship, you see the poor and you cry. Because God's heart has infected you. Because you've been hanging out in God's atmosphere. When we see the world as God sees it, it's like we have extra information. I don't know. Robbie, you have to help me with this, okay? You're playing Xbox and you have two screens. And one person looks at the other person's screen. What's that called? Screen peeking. That's a big no-no if you're an Xbox player, screen peeking, because you know what happens? You get to see another person's world from their perspective, and you see where you fit in it, screen peekers. (laughs) 
when we are silent before God, it's, if, it's as if we've got a legal screen peeking uh, uh, license in the world. I get to see your life from God's perspective. And all of a sudden it changes everything. Um, what's the guy's name? Author Kayim Potok wrote a book called The Chosen. And in the very beginning of that book, which is the only part I've actually read, but in the very beginning, it's great. <clears throat> he gives the example of other people. We're all like fish in the sea. And how odd it looks to a, a fish when another fish gets hooked. I mean, how odd that must look to a fish when they see this fish, he's swimming around perfectly. All of a sudden it gets hooked and blood and guts and it's jumping and they're, they're probably all thinking, what's wrong with that dude? He's hooked. And when we can see the world from God's perspective, from a silent place of worship, it's like we get to see not just people reacting in their brokenness, but, oh, they got hooked. They're, they're, they're yelling out of pain. They're, they're responding out of brokenness. And it changes the way we look at others. Because then we, instead of being the judging one, we can be the one that comes in and says, you know what, that hooks in deep. If you'll be calm, we can get this thing out changes the way we interact with the world. When we worship, we see ourselves and God in reality. We see the world as God sees it. The next time you're confused about the world and you feel senseless like a brute and don't know what's going on, will you worship? Will you silence yourself before God and say, God, show me the world from your perspective? <clears throat> when we worship, God gives instruction when we give him our attention. God gives his instruction when we give our attention. Acts chapter 13. Just three verses here. In Acts 13. Acts 13, lots of things are happening. The church is, is exploding with growth. People from all nations are coming into the kingdom. There's dramatic healing. People are afraid to be around the believers because there's so much power. And people are attracted to the believers because there's so much love. So it's a great time in the body of Christ. In Acts 13, it says this. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. By the way, it could just as well say in the church in Indianapolis, there were prophets and teachers. We all have spiritual gifts. That's another message. Though. Barnabas, Simeon, called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, key phrase, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This was not a prayer meeting to find out what God wanted them to do in the world. It wasn't a mission prayer meeting. This was a worship service. And it just says simply, while they were worshiping and fasting, in other, in other words, reallocating themselves to be at God's disposal, it just says the Holy Spirit showed up and spoke. And the Holy Spirit, we don't know how he did it, except there were prophets and teachers. So he probably spoke through a prophet, said, hey, um, let's see, you in the back, Barnabas, that's your name? Yeah, Saul, why don't you guys stand up? Here's what I see the Lord doing in you. I mean, why do we, we think of it as such a, thus saith the Lord. I don't know. 
I think a prophet stood up and said, you know what, I think Barnabas and Paul are supposed to go. I I think God's anointed them. It was in the worship time, as they were giving their attention to God, that God gave his instruction to them. How often do we come into worship and we think, I've got to figure something out. I can't worship God. I'm working on something. When the reality is, in a place of worship, we're dealing with the one who has eternal wisdom and all knowledge. And we walk into his presence sometimes and we say, God, would you please be quiet? I'm trying to figure something out. And I'm just encouraging you. I'm just inviting you to a different approach in worship. Rather than I'm going to go in, I'm going to, I'm going to work real hard to get my answer. No, I'm just going to look at God. I'm just going to come without agenda. I'm just going to look at God. And when we look at God, God looks back. And when we listen to God, God speaks. When we give him our attention, he gives his instruction. How many times in worship when we gather, God speaks through us. God speaks through you. People walk up and say, you know, we were just worshiping. I wasn't thinking about this. Blam. I heard this scripture. Bang. I saw this vision. I felt this impulse from God. We don't worship in order to get something from God. We don't come into worship to get a word. We come into worship to give our lives. God is so gracious that when we give him our attention, he gives us his instruction. Just like the psalmist said, you know, when I tried to understand my life, it just was oppressive to me until I came into the sanctuary of God. And God lets you begin to hear his own voice when you're in his presence. We don't worship his holiness. We don't worship his power. We don't worship his gifts. We don't worship his, his actions. But when we worship his being, he brings everything with him. God never comes in parts. When God's here, he's fully here. When God comes in worship in his holiness, he's there in his compassion. When God comes to us in his justice, he's there in his forgiveness. When God comes in his awe and his power and we feel silenced before him, he's there with his voice. Because God doesn't come in parts. You know, we can come in parts, right? You know what it's like to be in a meeting, but you're not really there? Like the physical is there, but, you know, you're making dinner. Or you're trying to figure out what the lottery number is. Or, you know, whatever. Or you just want to play Angry Birds. Whatever the thing is. God's never like that. God is able to be fully present with his full being in all places at all times. That's God. So when God is present here, he's present with his voice. When we give our attention to him, he gives his instruction to us. The next time you're looking for wisdom or discernment, will you sit before God and give him your full attention and see what happens? I mean, this is kind of the principle of the flashlight for me, right? When you desperately need a flashlight, you cannot find it in your home, right? Probably because it's dark. I mean, you know that that feeling you're looking for something. You say, I've seen that a hundred times in the last month, but now I'm looking for it and I can't find it. Two days later, when you don't need it, a lot of people are looking at each other. <laughs> Two days later, when you don't need it, it shows up. Isn't that funny? It's like when, when, you're, when, you're, when you come with an agenda to look for something, you don't get it. 
But when you let yourself be at peace, all of a sudden it comes to you. I think the Lord works like that. If we're just looking for the word, we can miss God. But if we're looking for God, he'll give us the word. God gives us his instruction when we give him our attention. And, when, and God speaks to us when we listen without agenda. When we listen without agenda. Revelation 1, I'm not going to read it. But this is the beginning of the revelation. So um, it, uh, the scripture says that uh, John says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. That's the beginning phrase. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. In other words, I was in God's presence and I was worshiping. And then the Lord said this, right. And everything else from revelation comes from that place where John was just in the spirit on the Lord's day. It doesn't say John said, well, I've got nothing to do here on Patmos. I ought to write a book. No, it just says he was giving his full attention to God. He was in the spirit on the Lord's day. He was present to God without agenda. And then the Lord said, speak. It's, it's that same principle. You know, you're trying to think of something. You're trying to think of something. You're trying to think of somebody's name. You just go over and over and over and you can't. And then you divert your attention to something else and all of a sudden it pops in. It's uh, Three Stooges. Any Three Stooges fans? Um, this, I remember it like this. <clears throat> I, I think it's... Who's the guy in the middle? Curly. I, I just remember, I could just hear this phrase here. I'm saying, I keep trying to think, but nothing happens. <laughs> you ever feel like that? You keep trying to think, but nothing happens. You keep trying to get something, but nothing happens. You keep trying to remember something, but nothing happens. You keep trying to get from God, but nothing happens. Because in our striving, we can sometimes push God's peace away. But when we come to God with no agenda, okay, God, I'm just going to be in your presence. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Habakkuk 2.20, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. When we, when we come into worship before the Lord, we see him as he really is. And we see ourselves as we really are. Then we can hear the instruction of the Lord. And our willingness to obey as chosen vessels of his love is increased. We see the world from God's perspective. We see other people from God's perspective. When we give him our attention, he gives us his instruction. And when we, when we come to him without agenda, then he speaks to us because he loves us. And finally, hearing means obedience. I'll just give you the references, Exodus 24 and Hebrews chapter 12, starting in 22. Hearing means obedience. In the Old Testament, the, the, word for, uh, for the, one, the root of the word to hear in Hebrew is Shema. So the Shema, hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy 6. The word is hear. Do you know that there's no separate word for obey? There isn't another word that specifically means obey. Because for the Hebrews, when they heard the word hear, it meant obedience. When the Lord says hear, he doesn't mean just hear, he means obey. There's actually a scripture in, um, in Deuteronomy 24 where the Israelites respond to the command of God and it says, we will obey and we will listen. <laughs> Doesn't that seem funny? Shouldn't it be we will listen and then we'll obey? They're the same thing for the one sold out to God. 
To hear is to do. To know God's will is to do God's will. How many of you have ever been have how many of you have ever had a fight with your spouse? Josh? You didn't raise your hand. Sorry. How many in the midst of a fight with your spouse, for some reason you've been separated by some space? You don't have the fight now. And you walk down the stairs or something and you hear them say something. You know where I'm headed? But it's just, you're just far enough out of range that you think, you know what? I don't think I want to have heard that. Who's done it? Come on, man. You know what? And, what, and you come back and they say, did you hear me? And you say, what? <laughs> We've all done it. Because we know deep down in our hearts with a person that intimate, once we've heard them, we have to engage them. Once we've heard them, there's a response that's required. Now, it's not always perfect obedience, okay? Man and wife, different, sinful, broken. But when the Lord speaks, to hear means to obey. And how many of us have that temptation to come in? Lord, I want you to tell me what to do. No, I don't want to hear that. God says, I already told you what to do. I didn't hear it. But for the, for the believer, for the one who's sold out to God, for the one who wants to surrender to God or who wants to want to surrender to God, it's, Lord, when I hear, I will obey. Hearing equals obedience. And that's the heart of the one that God speaks to. God loves to speak to the one who says, you know what, I'm ready to do your will. When God says your name, the answer isn't what, the answer is yes. Whatever comes, God, if it's your plan, I want it. When we'll silence ourselves before God, when we'll listen, he longs to speak. Let's pray. Um, The communion servers can come forward. We'll prepare for communion. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Lord, we silence ourselves now to be in your presence, to give you our attention, to acknowledge your gift of life to us in the body and the blood of Jesus. We worship you, God, for who you are. We submit ourselves and surrender our lives to you as creator, sustainer, redeemer, and king. Lord, we have ears. Let us hear and obey as you speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. If uh, you have given your life to following Christ, then the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And this is your opportunity to come and take the very uh, body and blood of Christ, to commune with God, to acknowledge His presence in your life. So just come forward, take a bit of the bread, dip it in the wine or the juice, and uh, remember that worship is freely giving our love to God because God in Christ has freely given His love to us. So when you're ready, please come forward. After communion, we'll just go right into our... uh, to giving of our tithes and offerings.
That will be the beginning of our worship, and it will be in God's presence with full attention. When you're ready, please come forward. Jesus, we proclaim you as the one uh, who's come for us, lived for us, died for us, rose again, and promises your satisfaction in our lives. You are what we want. You are what we need. Thank you, Jesus, that we can trust you in this life and for the life to come. Amen. As we close today, I think there are uh, a few specific invitations that God's giving. We've... um, We've emphasized a, a listening posture uh, before God. And then we shouted to him. <laughs> it was great. <clears throat> I think there are some here this morning that um, really sensed the Holy Spirit's prodding in your life when I said that um, God never points out your sin to condemn. Isaiah 42, it says, A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not put out. He'll bring forth justice. So I want to make a few invitations and I'm going to ask you to take an action on this invitation to actually come forward. If you want someone to pray for you, they can. If not, just take a step forward to be in God's presence. So if you're here this morning and you have that sense of you need to hear from God the word of forgiveness, then I'd like to ask you to, to come forward this morning. If you're one who this day you realize that you've got to hear from God a word of instruction, that you need wisdom, that you've got something very specific in your life, it's crucial, it's crisis, something has to be done, you don't know what to do, and you want to hear God's voice, then I ask you to come forward as well. Just come and be before God in His presence. And then there are some who I think God has spoken to you clearly. And when I talked about hearing, meaning obedience, you knew that you knew that you knew that God was speaking to you. And it's not condemnation he was speaking, but an invitation to repentance, which leads to forgiveness, empowerment, and freedom. So those uh, three groups of people, if you're in a need, you need to hear the word of forgiveness this morning. You need to hear the word of instruction or you need that empowerment to do what you know that God has already called you to do. I'm just going to ask you to walk forward as we finish. And then the ministry team and any elders, I'll just ask you to come around them and ask if they want prayer. If you want someone to pray for you, just tell them. If you just want to be silent before God, you can do that too. So uh, uh, any of you, uh, please come on forward and we'll close. God, thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit here today. Thank you that you're speaking, that you're acting, that you're moving, and you're empowering. We ask Holy Spirit to have your way here with us this morning. Every heart and every mind, every soul before you, longing to hear and to obey your word. God, fill us with your grace and send us with your peace. In Jesus' name. If you'd like, come forward. If you'd like prayer, please come forward. Otherwise, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Ministry team, if you could just come on up here and pray for those who are up.